Hey there, Offgoers, Muse here, and before we get started on this week's episode of the Going Off Podcast, I just wanted to mention that during our discussion about iridescence, the topic of depression comes up. I couldn't really find a way to work it into the conversation at the time, but I just wanted to make everyone aware of the website Pride Counseling. As you can probably assume from the name Pride Counseling, they do specialize in folks of the LGBTQ community because as the website says, they've noticed that individuals in the community suffer from mental health issues at a disproportionately high rate. Their services aren't limited to queer folks. Overall, they believe that healthcare should be accessible and affordable to everyone. And as also mentioned on the website, while face-to-face counseling can cost $150 to $250 for a single session, the cost of counseling through Pride Counseling ranges from only $35 to $80 US per week for unlimited access to your counselor. And while it isn't face-to-face, they do offer counseling through chat, text messages, over-the-phone, and video counseling. After a very in-depth questionnaire, you are matched with a counselor in your area. I went ahead and took the questionnaire myself just to get to know more about this, and yeah, it really does get to know you as well as you are willing to let them know you. You don't even have to give your name if you don't want. You could just give them a nickname because it can be as private and discreet as you want for your own safety. And while I'm not an expert on counseling or any of this, from what I've seen, This organization is on the level, and I support them. So if at any point during this episode, or ever, really, you think you might need some help in any degree, check out Pride Counseling. It might be for you. I never meant to give you mushrooms, girl. I never meant to bring you to my world. But now you're sitting in the corner crying because, see, you're allergic to mushrooms and not because they're psychedelic mushrooms that are sending you on a fucked up trip. It's the Going On Podcast with Rap Critic and Muse. We've got uh, a special guest with us today, Left in London. Yo, holla at the people one more time. Uh, One more time. This is my first time hollering at people. So, (laughs) like... You've never hollered at people before? Wait, I thought you were on the show before. Yeah, I mean, I've never hollered. Oh, oh, excuse me, uh, this fucking pedantic. (laughs) (laughs) I've only talked at a moderate (laughs) pace. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I can't holler. respectable volume. So backstory on why I've been on the show twice. Uh, Mm. I was originally supposed to come on the show for Puppy when that was still, like, a thing. And it messed up, like, the whole Amir situation went out of hand. So I was like, how about I just come on the show for uh, Year of the Snitch? Because I'm a huge fan Mm -hmm. of Death Grips. And I could immediately sense some, like, hesitance in both of you just because of, like, how bad the Money Store review went for you guys. So here I am doing what was originally, I don't know, fulfilling the prophecy. I don't think we left it in because it was during the whole microphones fucking up situation from last time. But you gave us some homework to check out other Death Grip stuff. Let me just say, Mm. the Bottomless Pit is fucking awesome. Mmm. Yeah, that's that one. That one had to grow on me a little bit because I just wasn't like. I think out of the three, Money Store, Year of the Snitch, and Bottomless Pit, I think that's my favorite one out of those three. Yeah, if you're if you if you liked Black Paint, then Bottomless Pit is definitely your cup of tea. If you like Death Grips is online, the Money Store is like 
uh, more probably more your speed. Uh, so if you're looking for more of like their like metal influence stuff, then their later shit is definitely like where it's at. I, I totally didn't check them out. Sorry. I... <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's understandable. You, you, I, I, frankly, I had very little faith in you. <laughs> Oh, oh, yeah, y'all say this shit like, oh, man, he just he just hasn't been shown the light. Yeah, exactly. Like, I think I it's sh- just if if by two albums it isn't clicking, it's just not happening. Not when it's Death Grips. Honestly, I like hate listen to most like all of their albums until I was like, oh, I get it. It was sort, it was literally like that in the office. Like I hated it until I watched it once. High. So we were talking about No Brainer by uh, well, I mean. Not by DJ Khaled, because, you know, but the song that has DJ Khaled's name first on it with uh, Chance the Rapper and, you know, all those crazy guys and all those all those wild and wacky guys. And there's a line on there that is edited where Chance the Rapper says, uh, she said that you make music for God. And I said, I just want to I just want to see you make that booty applaud. And for some reason, booty is edited. Maybe it's like Chance was like, uh, maybe I went too far putting the God line right next to booty. And so <laughs> you need the palate cleanser between the two. Yeah, exactly. Uh, oh my God. That reminds me like, uh, I found out recently, like when Aretha Franklin died, uh, that the reason why school spirit, uh, on the college dropout was, uh, edited, like, as opposed to all the other songs in the album, like school spirit is clean on both versions of the album. Uh, and it's and I found that out because Aretha Franklin only would let him use the sample of her song uh, if he promised that it was going to be like a clean song. And he was and he was like, well, it starts off with the line school spirit, motherfucker. <laughs> so like like uh, he had to like change the whole song to just like the clean version. Wow. That's such a weird. Ver- OK, so something similar, actually, you know, the song My Name Is edited version of My Name Is is like notoriously awkward. <laughs> with the instead of uh hey slut it's hey lady and he says it with a weird voice <laughs> yeah. and then god is censored like what you guess a god dre dre sent me I to tick the world off yeah i think it's because it's like i don't know putting god's name in vain like he was he didn't want to upset the christian audience of uh that he was at. <laughs> oh, oh man if you don't edit that out well christian youth group might not go to the eminem concert no. <laughs> just imagine like like all the christian youth like going to eminem concerts like like trying to sing along to the clean version and then realizing like <laughs> oh no <laughs> can you imagine <laughs> On My Name Is, originally, they, the, the, the sample that they were using was a song called I Got The dot 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 by Labby Sifra. Excuse me if I'm saying the name wrong. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, as revealed in the sleeve notes of the remastered CD of the Source album, uh, Remember My Song. Sifra, uh, who is openly gay, stated, Attacking two of the usual scapegoats, women and gays, is lazy writing. If you want to do battle, attack the aggressors, not the victims. Eminem made lyric changes, and Sifra uh, cleared the sample. So, I love how, like, even at the beginning of Eminem's career, there's, like, flags say, like, Hey, maybe don't say hateful things against gay people and women for no fucking reason. <laughs> you know? <laughs> That's cold. I respect that. Like wholeheartedly anybody who's like like no i won't let you have the sample unless if you like change the song to be like i don't know more more socially conscious like that that's respectful as hell see that's at least a good reason right 
Yeah, as opposed to like, as opposed to like, I don't know. Aretha Franklin needs to calm down with like not having swears in her songs. Uh, <laughs> People cussing music now, you know that, right? Like, not the seventies anymore. Yeah. I wonder. Do you think if it was Kanye from twenty eighteen, if he would have obliged, or if he just wouldn't be like, ah, screw it? Because I imagine like something kind of changed, like when you're spending all that much money on the. And also, he's got money now, so he's not going to give a fuck. <laughs> Back to uh, My Name Is, actually. It was weird because I was I happened to be thinking of this uh, earlier today. It just randomly came up. But I remember watching this video where somebody reversed the chorus of My Name Is, like in like Ableton or whatever. And, uh, and it sounds like he's saying, yeah, it's Slim. It's Eminem. It's Eminem. And it's the weirdest shit because it, like, sounds uh. exactly like he's saying that. And considering that, like, the whole, like, like chorus is just, my name is, my name is, like, it's it's That's... so surreal. No, no, that couldn't have been on purpose. It can't be. It can't be. <laughs> Do y'all remember that after 9-11, some 157-so-odd songs were banned from radio play, they banned all Rage songs for a period. I guess because they, they were, like, political. I think they just wanted to do that. I think they yeah. just wanted to do that. Let's get this. They were just looking for an excuse. Exactly. It's like, uh-oh, it's not patriotic. Get your ass off the radio. <laughs> like, the ones Got that get ass. me the most are almost every song that references planes. Oh, yeah, well, I remember that was a thing for a while. Like, uh, American Pie, because that has a plane crash in it. Benny and the Jets... Was <laughs> one uh, Foo Fighters learned to fly. Wow. Uh, Doctor My Eyes was one. That's not even about plane flying. Learn to fly. <laughs> Do you remember the Biggie Small song where he says, "Soon to get paid, blow up like the World Trade"? That's still censored to this day, even though he's talking about the '90s one. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah they they censored it in uh, like when Jay Z had that one song where he sampled that verse. Like it's just straight up like blacks out at that point where it's like blow up like the like you forgot what he was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! Wait, what's a thing that's blown up in the past? Huh? <laughs> Maybe something that people might know about. Uh, immediate recognition. <laughs> <laughs> mm, another one. <laughs> another one. <laughs> <laughs> I want that God to be it. DJ Khaled's thing from now on. He says another one, but he has something in his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Another one. He couldn't be fucking bothered. <laughs> one of the few things he says on his album, he's like, mm, mm, another one. People like, wouldn't no. give a shit. They let him get away with that. Dude, it's like, honestly, it's like, you think he's saying he's talking about having a hit song, but he's just talking about, like, bringing him another yogurt parfait, you know? <laughs> just, like, halfway through, like, the song, you just hear him, like, coughing, just like, oh, I choked up my water. Does that weird shit where he's taking a sip and then just like coughs and it shoots all out of his nose and it gets all on the microphone and they leave it in. (laughs) (laughs) The booty applaud doesn't make any sense to me though, going back to it, because like what the fuck was uh, um, all about that bass? She said booty all over that fucking song. Chance has already said booty in a DJ Khaled song. Like he he did like, what was it? Uh, So she went and put that booty on that Gucci belt. (laughs) Oh yeah! yeah, Let that in. Yeah. Like, and no one has, like, asked or, like, because someone had to do it. Someone had to make the decision to go, nah, not but. You can't say it twice on a DJ count. Like, who? Who the fuck was that person? Jeff. Jeff in accounting. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> Don't know why they let accounting uh, control the censorship on that song, but you know what? He's trying to get into his own. It's time. We got to talk about this album because I got a lot to say. Long awaited iridescence. I've got a lot to say about this one too because yeah. um, I'm going to ask you first, Nat. Yeah. When, when the singles were dropping over the summer, 99, 98, 97. Yeah. Um,. Those came out after Tanya was performed on Jimmy Fallon, though. Yes. Were, which which were you, I guess, expecting? Were you expecting an album like the singles that came out over the summer or an album more along the lines of Tanya? Well, from there were snippets also released on uh, their radio show that they had on Apple Music, uh, Things We Lost in the Fire Radio. Uh, and... Yeah, and they had, honestly, what I expected it to sound like was, uh, it was an unnamed single that they released only on the radio show, but it was the one, he actually does, Kevin Abstract actually does his Tanya verse in that, uh, but uh, it features one of my favorite Joba verses, uh, where he's like, I'm lonesome, but uh, it's, it's, it's a really good verse, so you should check it out, but uh, I was expecting it to sound like that, because it sort of like has a saturation era vibe to it and so when new orleans came on like it immediately starts uh like it immediately starts like punches you in the face with like okay this is going to be nothing like saturation like nothing at fucking all since most people didn't listen to all american trash uh i feel like people were expecting uh saturation to be their sound but saturation was just an era and and I feel like if Amir hadn't been kicked out of the group, then it would have like it would have like delved more into the saturation sound and sort of like dug deeper into that sound. But because that like the group changed, like they felt like they had to change, and that's just like for better or for worse. I have some issues with it, but like for the most part, the production is the most fleshed out I've ever heard Brockhampton. Not only just like the cultural context of it, but also the unexpectedness of it, plus like the like clearly influenced by things, but still like unique in its own regard. Uh, as a, like, they wanted to compare it to Kid A a lot, but honestly, I felt it sounded like, honestly, culturally, it reminds me more of Blonde. Uh, just because, just because that like the radio singles being like much more like, what's the word, accessible, and then like randomly coming out with like all these, uh, all this like experimentation within, uh, the album itself where arrangement wise it can feel almost like it, it, it feels experimental but to the point where it almost feels sloppy that's kind of how i felt at some points like it, it, there, there were sometimes where it's just like uh oh there was one or two times where it's like the chaos felt perfect but mm. there were a lot of other times where it just felt like okay it feels like they just don't know which beat they're going for here first new orleans I believe that's an absolutely phenomenal track. Merlin fucking Wood steals the goddamn show. Please tell me he has, I need to consume some of his solo music because oh my god, this guy is fucking incredible. I think out of all the uh, out of all the rappers in Brockhampton, the one who stylistically fits this type of production is Merlin Wood for yes. fucking yeah. sure. And yeah, like, it and he's it not on here enough. <laughs> yeah, it reminds me a lot of I I genuinely think that Merlin like for being as like loud and boisterous as he is in the music, like I feel like he's kind of like the shyest member of the group musically cuz he doesn't yeah. have a lot of verses in even in the Saturation trilogy, like but when he does, they're amazing mm. and they fit. And so like I'm willing to like I'm I'm willing to wait for him essentially. And like I, I he kind of reminds a lot of people 
Like, I don't know, even Brockhampton has compared him to Lil Wayne, but honestly, I feel like, especially in this context of this album, he's more like Danny Brown. Okay, I was going to say Old Dirty Bastard. That's how I kind of feel. Mm, yeah, I, I I think that, like, the production plus the, uh, plus, like, the boisterousness of his voice reminded me a lot of Atrocity Exhibition, though. When we were talking about how Merlin isn't on the album enough, um, this, this opening track, there's a lot to take in, because... With Emir's absence, there is that kind of void of, all right, now we got to have, like, we're going to give the other folks more more mic time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And fucking Bareface gets a lot of that. Like, right? I was like, okay. <laughs> he's all over this shit. <laughs> like, wait, all right. He, was he a member of the group? Is it, <laughs> yeah. Is this like a Capadonna thing where he's like, you know? <laughs> they always kept him for, like, the very end of the albums, and he didn't have too, too much, but now he's like rapping on the tracks and then they got the fucking jaden smith cameo it was only jaden smith and jazzy fenzel who've like featured in like brockhampton songs those are the only two artists that have ever featured in a brockhampton song that wasn't like a direct sample i want jaden smith to kind of open a door for brockhampton to like work with tyler and those dudes because oh my god i'm just thinking about like flower boy and then listening to this and just like Oh, I want that, but, you know. I feel like that would, like, really, like, fit Brockhampton's voice. I I will say that although Merlin Wood is the strongest one on here, the one that was surprised to be the weakest on this album was actually Kevin. He didn't have a lot of verses that really stuck out. You're right, man. Because it was, it was uh, who's the dude? Um, uh, Don McLennan. He, I really liked him on this album more than the, um, more than the other cats. Uh, I will say though, so New, I feel like a couple of the transitions were a little weird. Like, okay, so New Orleans, incredible song. And then it like does the thing where it's like, it's the same beat going into Thug Life, but it's like stripped down and it sounds like a, a Bruce Hornsby, you know, piano bell thing. And I was like, uh, I was like, but it's called Thug Life. And it's in the saturation drafts, uh, there, there's a line uh, that Kevin has, where he straight up ends this verse by saying, "Friendship is gangsta." I I, I oh. think like that's sort of like what he was trying to go for with Thug Life, because uh, it's not necessarily kinda... yeah. Like yeah. I could, I understand it's that it comes off. off you know what weird. I mean? Like from an outside perspective, it's just like unless he like specifically does something to illustrate the point within the song, it just feels like he's trying. They're trying to be funny. But then there's no punchline. I was feeling like Thug Life was kind of like the inverse of New Orleans because it has the same beat, but it's stripped down. And instead of like the like the bravado and just kind of like sticking out your chest bit, it's like just them more vulnerable. And it's like it's almost just like the flip side of the song you just heard. That's what I got out of it personally. Yeah, because Bareface's verse repeats in uh, Thug Life. Uh, the yeah. one in, that he has in New Orleans repeats in Thug Life. So I think it's sort of like trying to like recontextualize. I honestly think that like my my theory is that Thug Life, everything except for Bareface's like rap verse on that uh, was originally meant to be in San Marcos. But they're like, no, this shit's like four minutes already. Like, we'll just like make it its own song. That is something I was actually going to bring up a little bit later is that a lot of the individual song ratings, I think I would have rated them higher, but I feel like the magical moments throughout the album, because there's so many tracks, it's spread out. So, like, if they were kind of layered on top of each other, like, when I was listening to the album the second time, I was misremembering how some of the songs went, and a song would start, and i go, oh, this is the one with that awesome ending, and I'm like, oh, that's not on this one? Oh, that's later? Oh, yeah. okay. 
So that song's still good, but man, I thought this was like that awesome intro, awesome outro, but they kind of like, they kind of spread them out, which is smart, but I don't know, like I feel like, like when I was listening to Wait, I, I was remembering Wait having the outro of uh, San Marcos, then I was like, oh no, wait, that comes way later, never mind. Oh, you know, there, there are a couple of beats where they kind of, like not repeat the exact same beat but repeat like a the the heavy violin sort of going all around sort of thing. Yeah, and, that's true. Yeah. And it, and it's like there's there's one track where it really works and one where it just feels like I think it's cuz it like it, it it smashes right after this really high energy track and then it's just like these violins and it just feels like out of nowhere just like okay, now we're going to make you feel emotions. And it's just like, "Oh, okay, hold on. We just got <laughs> through with this like can we at least like let the track fade out or just something, you know what I mean?" I think you're talking about wait after where the cash at, probably. Uh, oh, yep, that was it. Dude, <laughs> oh, where the cash at? I fucking Where love the shit. cash at was <laughs> so fucking good. <laughs> Yo, I can't even fucking front on that. And then something about him, I re- uh, you know, <laughs> that's weird. It's like it's like Merlin Wood interrupts the album because something about <laughs> him is this really light, pretty track, and then when it cast it, they're just like, uh, back to your regularly scheduled program. <laughs> yeah, I I really liked one thing that was really interesting is that they there's this one like woman's voice that plays throughout the album like uh, yeah. she's she's most like uh, like you hear her um, at least I think it's her uh, on the intro of where's the cash at like after like the camera clicks you hear like this one weird voice like saying something I don't remember what she says but then like it inter- mm. it like Merlin interrupts her and then like you hear her uh, saying uh, Sammy Joe that's what it was Sammy Joe who is that yeah yeah. I, don't, I couldn't I, find she, out anything about her. Yeah, yeah. I tried looking it up, too. Yeah, I don't even know how they got that information, like, on Genius. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, like... But uh, something about him actually reminded me a lot of, like, Animal Crossing. <laughs> like... What? Just, oh, shit. It reminds me of, like, a K.K. Slider song or something like that. Man, I'm gonna have to re-listen to I that. I didn't the video get game. that. <laughs> no, I did. Yeah, yeah, it's from the game. Yeah. Yeah, KK Slider's oh. a character from Animal Crossing. He's the dog that plays guitar. I thought you were talking about. Wait, isn't there an actual group called like? What the fuck? It's like an Animal about? Collective. Yeah, you're yeah. thinking of Animal Collective. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. See, what's what's funnier to me than the where the cash at after something about him is something about him after Berlin, especially because of how like almost unbearably loud the beat gets by the end of that <laughs> song. And then it just like, now we're shifting gears, going to a sweet tribute to Kevin's boyfriend out of nowhere. It's like, okay. Yeah. I felt like, I felt like I needed that after Berlin though. Cause like, all right, this is almost becoming too much. I need to sit down. <laughs> oh yeah. Where the bass was like really like, Blare yeah. out like it was just like, and it, it it was a nice touch, but yeah, the way they kept like pushing it near the end is like, oh, guys, stop it! I loved <laughs> that. <laughs> I knew you'd feel some type of way about that. Yeah. What did what did but, you guys think about uh, loophole? I loved that little interlude. I loved it. Getting someone who you know sampling uh, um, an interview with fucking Cameron, like you wouldn't expect that, but it totally fits as something that's you know supposed to be expressing out. Probably every artist coming up feels, you know, yeah. it's just like we just want to make fucking music. We don't care about money, like you know, and that's so true, man. You just want to be out there and do the thing that you love, and but as time goes on, you realize and you go, oh, it's like okay, I gotta fucking. 
uh, uh, you know, figure out who my friends are and shit like that, you know? And we haven't talked about something about him. I feel like we've mentioned the title. We haven't actually talked about it. I absolutely... Like that that was a beautiful track, man. And I love how they put the little the little dinging. What's that Indian I think it's an Indian instrument. You know you hear it on uh Sitar? Is it sitar? Oh yeah. What? It's not uh-huh. it's not a sitar though. Like it sounds yeah. like a sitar, but it's genuinely just like uh it's just it's just one um No, it's it's a Japanese instrument. It's the uh Oh, the the is it with the Z, the Zhang Zhang or something like that? Something like that. I I don't want to say it because I don't want to like fuck it up. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, which is which is why I left you to say it. But uh, <laughs> it, uh, it, you fall in that hole. <laughs> it, it was um um what was it? Uh, you know that song uh, "Killing Me Softly." You know the yeah that sitar. That sitar. Oh okay. Yeah. So, but it's not the same thing. One thing that I did really like about that was like the weird distorted like thing in that like i weirdly oh, yeah. liked that I love it. <laughs> yeah like it was creepy but endearing you know like a like a porcelain doll okay i gotta say one thing though mm. i loved wait right right incredible mm-hmm. song dom's verse is so emotional like that's probably like one of my favorite verses on like like his verse on wait and joba's verse on jover mm. like and uh and Kevin's hook on Fabric. Those are probably like my three favorite like vocal moments on the album. Oh, and where's the cash at? Of course, where the cash at? Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, and then District uh, District. I also loved as well. Uh, this is a song where I like the chaos, uh, especially at the end when you're just hearing like the. Um, um, they do a couple of things on this album where it's just like cutting through different samples and it's just like creating the soundscape of this emotion. And I feel like it totally works on this track. Uh, where, where you hear the chaos of just, like, the, the the sort of nostalgia that they're doing in here, where he talks about, like, uh, you know, I miss you lots when we hang across the parking lots and da-da-da, and it's just like, I don't know, you just feel the moment. And then when he says, praise God, hallelujah, I'm still, still depressed. depressed. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> the way Joba delivers, like, half of his lyrics on this are, like, the most, like, impassioned perfectly mm. like half comedic half like still like really mm. like a lot of people compared uh a lot of people compared his shit to like early Eminem and like i mm. i like i feel that like except that it's not homophobic so i like it it's great yeah. <laughs> like oh i loved like speaking of joba's delivery uh there's this one part in new orleans he ends his first verse like maybe you should find yourself like that part i loved his delivery on that so goddamn much like joba like kills it on this album i feel like like him and dom and merlin are shining more on this album than they than they ever have on the saturation albums and i think it is because kevin is kind of taking more of like a back seat wow. dude i'm really looking like because you know whenever i like something i put down the verses to be like oh yeah make sure to mention that mm. and i don't think any of kevin i don't think i put any of his down on tanya's was his only like really standout yeah. one because i really oh, liked that verse of uh but that one was like written prior to the whole iridescence era, so I feel like Kevin. Side note, like as as like a mentally ill person, like I'm kind of worried for Kevin. <laughs> like, like yeah. is it, it like I genuinely want because like with all this new fame and like having a bandmate leave and stuff like that, that's just got to be like vaguely traumatic. And like I really want them to all like I want to know that at least they're getting help. 
Dude, now that I remember it, yeah, Kevin was totally the star of the show uh, uh, on the last albums. Kevin's got really good lines here. He's got really good one-liners. Like, for example, like when he says, like, I'm waiting for Ashlyn to put the razor down or something like that. That, yeah. like... Yeah, that was like, oh, oh shit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think it's interesting how, like, Tanya and San Marcos, for me, are, like, the emotional cornerstones of the album mm-hmm. and hitting them dude back to back like that i was like that's yeah. almost mean man i can't hang yeah, I, I that's told too you, fucking I told much <laughs> and then fabric <laughs> after that like like all of those three things are like such like an intense like feelings trip yeah. and all of those tracks are the three longest tracks on the album it is straight up like 13 minutes of just emotion and like and then it ends with that weird like like really trippy beat and then like you hear merlin just say like these are the best years of our lives motherfucker and like then you're like what the fuck is happening i mean i I like merlin but i didn't like where it was just like boom 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 and you just hear what sounds like a child singing over the track it's just like oh where it's just like the boom 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 you can understand why i gotta get up and shout that oh i love that it's one of those it's one of those beats where it's like it worked fine the way it was but then when they doubled the time like the bpm is just slightly too Mm. fast for it to work for me in my eyes i think i like that I think the drum sample was the only thing that was off. Like, I think if they changed the drum sample to something more like Tycho drums, like then it, then it would have then it would have worked so much better. Uh, but mm. they didn't, and so it's like the way that it is. But uh, but like either way, like Fabric is one of my favorite like tracks. Oh, what did you guys think of the Beyonce sample in Honey? You know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of because we reviewed this album before. It reminded mm. me of when Arrested Development splurged or fucked up and sampled prince saying tennessee when they did, when they didn't really have to yeah like it worked to the anyway <laughs> like it didn't like it was just a word and he didn't really have to do it but dude in fucking this one and honey that shit fit so well i like that a lot yeah dude, now i'm really thinking about that why the, man that was such a I mean, respect to speech. We had him on the show. And we love him. He was great. But I'm just really thinking, like, you could have just had yourself say it. Because I was thinking, I was like, wait, does he use the beat? Is that why? Like, is there a you beat? You can't even like, tell no, it's, it's Prince saying it. Yeah, because it's It doesn't even down. sound like, like him. <laughs> I was like, oh, my goodness. Why would you do that to yourself? <laughs> but they didn't think they were going to get a hit with that one. So they were just like, ah, fuck it. You know, um, as, as we're talking about Kevin parts that stand out, I'm realizing, I forget who it was, Billboard or someone ran a whole article about his verse in Wait. I don't know, man, but like for me personally, hearing him talk about dealing with being gay in other songs in the past were more impactful than him just saying, she took a bra off and my dick got soft, I'm screaming in a pillowcase, like, why do you always rap about being gay because not enough rappers rap and be gay? Like, all that shit in the past of, like, just putting it in your face for me was, like, that's empowering, that's powerful, that's really impactful. But people, I guess, maybe because this album is getting, like, way more mainstream attention that people are just now paying attention to it, and they're like, wow, how brave. Like, where the fuck have you been? (laughs) It should be that, like, I am fucking gay, and I'm putting that shit right in your fucking face because that's how it... You know, that's how it really matters. You know, not just, oh, he's gay, but, you know, maybe, maybe a deep album cut about. It's like, no, it needs to be, <laughs> fuck your expectations of what hip-hop should be. This is what I want my hip-hop to be. It's like, I, I love that shit. Um, and that's why I feel like a song, uh, uh, the Something About Him, 
was definitely a mm. dope track. Uh, even though I don't think he really rapped on that one, did he? I think that was He's just, just kind of singing, singing right? on it, yeah. Oh my god, can I mention another f- like favorite part of like cuz I know that we've like kind of not necessarily trash Kevin, but we've like certainly not been like singing his <laughs> We haven't been necessarily singing his praises. The other, the other guys have been have been stepping it up. That's all. Yeah. yeah. Uh but one thing that like I really liked, it was a, such a small moment, but at the end of District where you just hear him say, "That's all I got for you." Like that for some reason made me like profoundly sad and like mm. A, like a high-pitched Kevin going like that's all I got for you like really like like kind of strained a little bit and it's just like Kevin Kevin you got more <laughs> give me a hug man give me a hug <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, well I, I want to talk about honey and okay. the fact that uh I'm gonna I'm gonna diss it and then compliment it cool. Merlin is mm. fucking underused as shit in this song what the hey, hell yeah, he starts off saying, I could have been homeless, and it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, here's my boy, and then he just kind of repeats it, and then before I had to go, I had a course, and then it just cuts to the next guy, and now, uh, my boy, Dom McLennan, had a dope verse, he was like, my people stay dry snitching whenever they touch the mic, that's what happens when a therapist isn't somewhere in sight, I love that shit. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even notice that line, holy shit. <laughs> Like, that was a dope fucking line. It's yeah. like, motherfuckers, I think motherfuckers just need someone to talk to, because y'all just... Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Y'all, y'all giving away all your shit right now, bro. I will say that, like, one thing that was really, like, fucking cool to me was that, like, they released that music video hours before I went into surgery. And so I was like, oh, like, yeah. okay, I might, I might be late for my surgery, but I'm going to listen to this fucking song just in case. <laughs> uh, and so I put my headphones on. Like, my girlfriend was in the other room, and I was just like, hey, I'm going to listen to the new Brockhampton song. Is that cool? And she's like, yeah, sure. It's, like, right before your surgery, but, like, go ahead. And I listened to it, and my mouth was just, like, dropped the whole time. Like, like, I think one thing that was really interesting, the perfect thing about starting with Matt's verse is that, like, Matt's verse wasn't, like, anything special, but, like, it perfectly perfectly introduces you to, like, what the beat is going to be like. And then Joba's chorus comes in, and then Joba's verse comes in, and immediately, immediately once you said the line, uh, tell a casket drops, I will play God, I was like, oh, oh my God, this sounds like a Death Grip song, and I hate admitting that, but it just straight up (laughs) does. I think for me with the saturation shit, I don't, I think it reminded me of that up until Merlin's part. Excuse me! (laughs) Oh my god, dude. That song goes so fucking hard. It's insane. I love that one. I felt like, oh, going back to Honey. So, the, the outro, the ending, it was... Uh, one of those moments where it was like it felt kind of cluttered. Like I, I, I got what they were doing the the Beyonce sample, but it's like when you listen to it, it's not really coming together to, to give any type of mood. It's just like one time, nigga, one time, nigga, one time, and then Beyonce saying yes, and I was like, what? I think it's just because it like I don't know the combination of like Beyonce with anything, frankly, uh, but like especially. <laughs> Like considering the sample itself being so like angelic and whatnot, mm. plus like plus like this like chopped and screwed sounding like song over that, I feel like that brings sort this sort of like uh, combination nostalgia where it's like nostalgia from two different complete eras, and mm. uh, and it sort of brings them together. So I feel like that like hit a chord with a lot of people specifically because 
of like 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 imagine if you like heard um like uh something that combines uh like like for me it'd be like the Yoshi story end credits theme with like <laughs> with like uh I don't know like a Frank Ocean song like these are things that are like like huge parts of like my life and if they were combined then I'd be I'd, I'd be bawling frankly so I feel like mm. uh I feel like that combination of like the chopped and screwed samples, like bringing people back to like, like the late nineties and stuff like that. And then like the combination of Beyonce being like early 2003. uh, Like I, I feel like that's where people got like emotional with it. And I admit I did get emotional in myself during it. I mean, I admittedly was high the first time that I listened to the album. Cause like, (laughs) (laughs) well, you had a very different experience than we (laughs) Yeah, I, I was actually with a t- I was actually with a Tinder date the whole time. It was great. <laughs> if I were to ask you what all of these songs were about, would you be able to really tell me? More so on this album than Saturation, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think yeah. A, I, like and, a lot uh, of the songs on here are dealing with like the fame and the sudden like. Yes. Especially yeah. like the whole Amir thing is dealt with kind of more explicitly than most of the issues. Like, they just kind of mm-hmm. fucking put that out there. Uh, yeah, the account should have been deleted. I don't care how everyone else yes. is feeling or the fucking take on yeah. it. Like, all that shit was like, whoa, okay. Shit mm-hmm. was more abstract, I think, on saturation, but shit Kevin is really cut and dry. Yeah. I think shit is way more <laughs> cut and dry on this album than it have been yeah. in the past. Uh, so, uh, going back to San Marco, I love, absolutely love, Jova's first verse. Uh, I mean, his verse where he says, suicidal thoughts, but I won't do it. Take that how you want. It's important. I admit it. I'm afraid of commitment. Don't know how to fix it. Maybe codependent. Can't tell the difference. That was an incredible, you know, like I said, like emotional revealing moment. Like, does he feel like he feels like a coward for not being committed in general, but also to, like, I'm a pussy for not, you know... Like, I've definitely heard people, like, straight up, like, in Cries for Help say, like, like I'm not, like, I'm too much of a coward to do it. And, like, that's... So, like, that when that line came on, it really, like, hit home for me. Uh, I actually was able to, like, have the privilege of, like, talking to Joba, like, outside of a concert venue once. I talked to Joba and Bareface, and Bareface is, like, the only, like is like the only male crush that I have as a lesbian. (laughs) And so I was really nervous and I was like, hey, I've had sex to your music. And he was like, cool. (laughs) 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 But (laughs) like, I was, I was so fucking nervous. I didn't know what else to say. And then, and then like with Joba, I was like, okay, I have a second chance. I got to say some shit. And I was like, hey, With Joba, I was like, "Hey, just so you know, like I relate heavily to your sister nation verse, and like that was that shit like made me cry, and like I really want you to like keep on like like talking about mental health through your music because like that helps people." And he was like, "Hey, thank you, thank you a lot. Like that's definitely like a thing that I intend on doing." And so it was, and so like hearing this album, like him talking way more about his mental health and like. I feel like saturation was more based on like interpersonal relationships, whereas uh, iridescence is more on self-reflection. And I think that that like that's mainly because of Amir's absence. Also, as a side note, speaking of Amir, I don't think that he would have fit on this album at all. No, absolutely not. I've heard a lot of negative opinions about iridescence. I feel like people would have been more prepared for it if like they released like this EP of like the 1997 through 99 tracks 
and like that plus don't get famous uh the um the demos that they released on on things we lost in the fire etc cetera, etc cetera, as like a sellable ep to like hype up the album itself uh but they didn't do that and so they left a lot of fans wanting like a proper like send-off to the saturation era which they feel like they didn't really get especially considering that the saturation like albums end with uh a loop to the beginning of the first album so so i feel like we didn't really get a proper closure to the saturation era or to the team effort puppy era and so i feel like that's where a lot of people are finding this album hard to listen to i feel like this makes a great okay so the way that i see it is saturation one two and three are three separate albums but uh but like a lot of people view that as one cohesive project and so where people were disappointed is that iridescence makes perfect sense as a fourth album in somebody's like well as a fifth album including all american trash as a fifth album in their discography it makes sense but as a third album in their discography it it completely takes people out of left field. So a lot of people are still seeing Saturation as like one cohesive project as opposed to three separate albums. Wait, which... So so what what are the specific like aesthetic things that they have that they take issue with? Uh lack of hooks for sure. because uh, like okay. Brockhampton was for sure like a hook based thing. Uh, you know what? I f- You're right. Yeah, they do uh, there's a lot of more freeform tracks here. In fact, again on San Marco uh, where the, the, the choir comes in at the end, that kind of feels like, this feels like it should be like the chorus chorus. Like this is the thing that they come back to each verse from, you know, but it's only mm. at the end there. I feel like if they had each member, like if they had like one member say like the, I want more out of life than this at one point, just by themselves after their verse. And then they went like kept on going with the song. And then the chorus came in, that would have been way more effective. Yeah. Um, uh, but like, I feel bad like nitpicking like these small things because that like, like they can't change them at this point. <laughs> after getting the Tanya performance on Fallon, which was the first performance we got after the whole Amir situation, I don't think I ever really drew the connection on the show. But I was kind of feeling how I felt after hearing all that news that I was when I was following the uh, the Kesha lawsuit, and I was like, all right how is Kesha going to come back? What's her music going to be like? Because I was like, we can't come back to just fucking TikTok. It's not going to be that bubblegum carefree (laughs) shit anymore. This is going to be a changed person. What are we going to get? And when when I watched that Tanya performance, I kind of got the same feeling of when I watched the the praying praying video. video, where I was like, wow, this is not what I was expecting, but I can't really picture it being any different. Now, what I'm left with is, this is another trilogy, right? You just flew all the way out to Abbey fucking Road to to make this album, which is the culmination of the past few months and also addressing the fame or whatever. What's left for the next one? That's where I'm like, what is going to be presented in that? Like, it can't just be Iridescence 2. You know, like, it can't be the same thing again because you already got that out of your system. So that's why I'm like, I don't know. Because Saturation 1, 2, and 3, for me, all kind of did have the same feel overall that, like, I don't know if you can replicate that or what the second one would be like. But with that said, I'm excited to see. I'm not, like, I'm not challenging 
you know, but I'm just saying, like, I'm here to find out. Like, especially at the very end of Fabric, where they're just like, they're pretty much saying, like, hey, motherfucker, get comfortable. We're gonna be here a while. Best years of our lives. Like, that hype up of, like, the next two albums. Like, that shit was dope. And I'm really hoping it means we're gonna hear more of Merlin Wood. <laughs> I can totally imagine that uh, the rest of the Best of Your... Best Years of Our Lives trilogy is going to be similar to similar to uh, Jovert, just stylistically mm. in sort of the sense where it's like Jovert is a song that you can dance to. I feel like in the same way that Saturation wasn't really an album that you could dance to, and then Saturation Three opens with the most danceable track that they've ever had. Yep. Yeah, yep. like I feel like it's going to progress in a similar fashion where like I don't know things are moving upward. Ergo, the Best Years of Our Lives. It's ti- it's a time for growth. It's a time for um like understanding yourself like that's the best years of our lives so So, okay so overall what would we give it rating songs individually is relatively new to me i haven't been doing this as long as darren has darren's made this a thing for a while so this is so when i give this album a four and you go back and when i gave saturation three a five i did enjoy iridescence more than saturation three when I messaged you, Nat, and I said that I think that the albums, in my opinion, get exponentially better. Like, I like one better than All American Trash. I like two better than one. Three better than two. I like Iridescence more than three. This is my new favorite. But when I go over the individual scores, there were just a few tracks that maybe didn't hit as hard for me. Like, as much as I enjoyed um, something about him... Eh, like if I'm listening to the album again, I'm probably skipping that one. If I'm being honest. Well, okay. Is is this four out of ten that you're talking oh, about? Oh no, out of five. Out of five. Jesus Christ! <laughs> I was so. I was like. <laughs> I, I thought you. As soon as you gave that reaction, I thought you were really doing like, Kevin dirty. <laughs> Dude, dude, you fucking surprised the shit out of me when we were talking about the Death Grips album, and out of five, you were like two. I was like, that was like, oh. solely because of the goddamn audio quality, though. Oh, that audio that's quality that's was that's trash. That's if it had like proper audio quality, it would have been way, way higher. But that okay. like, that like ruined the whole album for me. But like, as far as oh. iridescence goes, as far as iridescence goes, I would probably out of ten, I'd probably give it like an eight because with the strong points of the album are its cohesiveness and sound in production. Whereas I feel like the weak points in the album are individual songs in the same. And that's the same way that I feel felt about blonde, uh, which is why, like, I feel like, <clears throat> like such a strong connection to those two albums with the saturation era. It was really easy to skip the skits. It was really easy to skip the skits, but with, mm. um, but I feel like I couldn't skip loophole with iridescence i couldn't skip something about him with iridescence i couldn't skip uh Mm. vivid even though that's my least favorite track on the uh, it used to be san marcos but actually like now whoa that was your least favorite that san marcos was my least favorite just because of the i just hated the guitar tone and the like the more that i listen to it i'm like okay i get it and it makes more sense with tanya like backing it up uh i give it a four out of five uh, as well um Mm. i i do feel like I, I feel like lyrically they have gotten, um, a te- on a technical level, I feel like they've gotten more proficient as lyricists. Um, th- you're right that there aren't as many moments that, like, pop out. I'm, I'm going to ask you real quick, because you reminded me and this keeps coming up. My friend Dylan, who just recently got into Brockhampton, was like, dude, he, 
is like an amazing introduction. It's like, yeah, you're right. It is. Gummy is a great track. Boogie, great track. Was New Orleans as hard of a hitting intro track as the albums during the Saturation Era? You're right. Nah, not as hard hitting. Well, because the album functions differently than the Saturation Era, I feel like I feel like releasing Jovert as a single, like they did, like with the music video, that made sense because that with the singles that they released before, they released the first track as the singles and then kept on releasing like the tracks after that. But with this is like the first time that they've really like changed that, and so I feel like with New Orleans, its functionality in the album isn't too. Um, you know, like when like you turn on the shower and you like you put your hand in, and it's like, oh, it's too cold, it's too cold, and then you like wait until it gets hot. I feel like it sort of functions in the same way. Not to say that New Orleans isn't like a fucking great track, but I feel like it's meant to warm you up to how different the album is going to sound from there. What do you want to hear from the next album in the trilogy? Dude, you know me. I want to hear more Merlin Wood, man. I, I, I got it. <laughs> He just feels so like criminally underused, like especially when you hear him on uh, the last joint um, on Fabric, where he does the little. He just has that quick verse where he whispers it, and you're just like, "Oh shit!" He has like other vocal dynamics that are just as powerful, and it's like, "God damn it!" I'm hoping for more of a lighthearted experience, um, because as much as I enjoyed this one, I am kind of hoping <laughs> it, it, it was heavy, but you know, it was it was heavy in a way that I think was necessary, and I was definitely enjoying it. But I kind of hope that it's like, all right, cool, we've we've got that out of our system. We can move on to some more. Like I'm seeing videos of them dancing around the fucking studios at Abbey Road. It's like I want to listen to music and know that they had a lot of fucking fun making it, and not, you know man, this is some shit I really needed to get off my shoulders and I'm crying. It's like, I'm glad you got that. I'm glad that's, you know, I hope that you've got that out of the way and now we can kind of move forward and move to like more, I don't want to say poppy shit, but I don't know, man. I like poppy shit. So I think that is about it. Nat, thank you so much for this less technical difficulties experience (laughs) this this second go around. That this went a whole hell of a lot better, and uh, definitely want to keep in touch and have you on again in the near future. D- do you have anything to uh, plug or promote before we uh, before we split? You there? I th- oh, I I knew it. Oh no! I Not knew like it. This. She Not hadn't like said this. anything in a minute. I was like, <laughs> we were just going like, you're an incredible oh, no. person. You know, we value you. And we hope that we can do this again with no ish. Oh, God fucking damn it. Her phone (laughs) battery died. Oh, no. Son of bitch. You know what? We got to the end. We got to the end. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, (laughs) you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and do it for... She has the EP available on Bandcamp. Check that out. Throw some money her way. She's super talented. Check out her videos on... um, on Super Deluxe, on their Instagram, and on their Twitter. I know she posts videos on her Tumblr also, but it's probably just easier to check them out on uh, on Instagram. Big thanks to Left at London. We'll definitely have to have her on again in the future, hopefully for the next Brockhampton album. I guess we'll just have to see how it goes. So the next album we have, uh, going right from that emotionally charged album... <laughs> Whoa! We got your boy Lupe Fiasco back in the motherfucking building 
with his uh, follow-up to Drogas Light, uh, Drogas Waves, and oh my god, fuck whatever you were expecting. <laughs> Woo! Drogas Light was, uh, I think, just the beginning of uh, uh, 2017. And here we are again with the sequel. We both sort of uh, were kind of cool on that one. You know, it's kind of like, all right, what yeah. a jump. What are these songs? Pick up the phone. Like, mm, I'm not really feeling this. But what I have written down was uh, last time around, we heard gangsta and trap shit. Mm-hmm. It was all over the place. It was the product of Lupe being held back from his label. Uh, we commented on how Light lacked a uh, consistent subject. Mm. And I will say that Wave was more focused but it still took some odd choices in what? how it decided to attack the overall subject matter. Mm-hmm. Lupe, in general, has a thing of like, oh my god, he has this incredible idea. But he doesn't really like give it to you over the course of an album, even though the name of the album is like, this is totally going to be about this. And he does that here, too, because if this is the Drogas trilogy, which is Spanish for drugs... You talk about drugs in light. Waves is barely about drugs, but it. But what it does is, after this intro track where it's like this spoken word, which is a poem uh, that accompanied a painting of a slave ship and an approaching storm, and just kind of how they dealt with lightening the load of just dumping dying slaves overboard, and you're like, wow, okay guess that's what this is about and the next track is you got a spanish dj introducing lupe who raps a very short vague song about drugs and it's over before it starts and you're like are what about the slave ships (laughs) did you like that wasn't what i was expecting (laughs) did did you like almost forget that oh shit this is the drogas trilogy maybe i should talk about drugs for a second all right cool now that i got that out of the way now back to what i want now back to what i did want to talk about like i don't know man like well actually i'm just gonna go ahead and say this this album is way too long and some of these songs you could have done without especially if you're trying to get we're gonna have to go we're gonna have to go at it now (laughs) (laughs) because <laughs> yo dude i'm i'm gonna go ahead and say okay. this i'm and i don't care about the fucking flame i'm gonna get <laughs> i just don't dig lupe that much oh, and when no! i say that i i like his flow mm. i like his rapping i like his lyrics something about his shit i could just never get into really? and that's on wow. me i don't know what that is i'm just always like i don't know man like I think it was sometime around Slave Ship and how I thought that was the most pretentious bullshit. Whoa! Okay. Time out. Time out. Because <laughs> when I heard that track, I fucking loved it. Uh, uh, Let the fans know what that okay, is. Okay, so basically the album is... It's kind of like going back and forth, like you said, between being about drugs and being about this story of like black people who survived a crash from the slave ships and are live underwater and are saving other slaves from enslavement in America by destroying the ships. And like, you know, black people, uh, gained a magical power. And instead of dying, uh, when they, when they, you know, reach the water, 
uh, and, and were thrown over, they were like able to breathe and they were able to walk on water and do all this incredible stuff. And it's just like, holy shit, this is like a, as I listen to this album, it's like a parliament uh, level type of shit. You know, like uh, that um, Bio Alpha Disco Beta Bio Aqua Dula, that album where it's just like, holy shit, we got this album that's about like, you know, a black Atlantis and it's all this cool sort of imagery and stuff like that uh, down. I especially love that track, even though admittedly the chorus went on for a little while. Like the way you described it. Yeah. That's an amazing concept. That sounds awesome. That doesn't come across in the fucking songs, bro. Lobster's a cool <laughs> food. I'm fucking chilling with the, that all right, so look. Cool. That was the parliament moment. No, that was the- <laughs> no, 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 no. If you want to tell me an amazing story about, wow, shit, these fucking, like these slaves escaped the ships and they found this newly, it's like, dude, that's an amazing story. And the songs just don't fucking convey it in that way. It's like some of them just fucking drag, in my opinion. Whoa, man. Nah, man. I, I got I got to say to Nano, my brother. <laughs> Lupe is one person we will always disagree on. <laughs> I, Except on Droga's Light, where I think we're on the same yeah, page yeah. on that one. Um... I had a feeling though this one was gonna be a was gonna be a bit more of a challenge because no. I feel like I don't know, man. I feel like the lyricism. I feel like Lupe is turning into a fucking machine of incredible lyrics and metaphors that just pour forth. Like he just opens his mouth and just uh, incredible metaphors. They just like fucking spill out like it's fucking nothing. And I feel like low key Lupe's iron. For that uh, rap god spot with with how he's spitting some of these lyrics, man. Like, it, oh my god. It's just like the way he just effortlessly is able to describe things. It's as if, like, words just rhyme to him. And he's just able to say all the words that rhyme and, and build on this... Um, build on the story like i never feel like he's throwing in words for the purpose of just sounding smart everything always oh feels... i do nah man um, oh god do i wow. <laughs> i got that so much dude whoa man nah. all over it this album effortless to me holly selassie dude mm-hmm. you gotta admit th- this beat work is fucking smooth as shit though like you gotta give it that with the jazzy shit the the uh fucking jazz flute on that one track I really liked the beat and the spoken word, like, quoting the speeches. That shit was dope. I like that shit more than the verses. Wow. Okay. And with, with me, it's like a, it's a back and forth because I don't want people to, and they fucking will anyway, I don't want people to get the misconception that I think Lupe is a bad rapper or a bad writer. I don't. But what I do get sometimes is kind of a mix of, throwing these fucking, what's that expression, $10 words in there. And other times, like, it's so simplistic to me that it's like, I can't hang with some of them. And Lupe has put me in such a fucking rock and a hard place with this incredibly tense subject matter that I feel like a piece (laughs) of shit (laughs) if I even try to critique these songs. It, is, it puts you in a bit of a stalemate if you don't like. <laughs> it's like you're you're it's like you're an asshole. Two of these songs are about like kids who die. <laughs> yeah, you you don't want to know what I think about those songs. <laughs> oh shit, man! I fucking love those. Dude, that shit almost made me fucking cry, man. Alan forever. Ah, oh, 
Well, I, I want to talk about the Haile Selassie just because that fucking chorus. Okay. Just like, it was like, Haile Selassie, high as the islands of Osprey. I'm thriving, Poseidon, you're trying to can't stop me from diving. I was like, oh, shit. I just love how the, ah, these fucking flows just go like it's no fucking thing. Oh, man. And, and, and so, so uh, Alan Forever, get into that one. That song is basically uh, Alan, the, the kid who, uh, the infamous picture of a kid face down. Um, at, at, during the immigration thing and, you know, the whole fucking... He basically writes a song about, like, man, if that kid would have lived, this would have been his... This possibly could have been his life. And here's, you know, how he could have changed, like, the world. And it sucks that... Like, I like how it's, like, humanizing this tragedy in a way that I feel like is... It, then uh, In a way that I feel like is more than we give... uh uh, true credence to, especially as time goes on, and we just look at things as just pictures in a moment of time. It's like, no, this is a human being whose potential was cut short because of what? Like I said, the beat work for this album, he definitely seems to have found his sound. The very sort of chilled out jazzy stuff. Now, I will admit that, like, it feels a little, um, what's the word? Like, samey near the end. Uh, especially if the choruses, if the choruses don't hit as hard, then everything else doesn't feel as full. But what I find interesting is that as you listen to his verses, they do get cryptic. I will give you that. But if you listen to the choruses, like, they illustrate exactly what he's talking about in the verses. That's what I really like about Lupe here. It, it feels like he's mastering his art form in the sense of, like, making things tie together. That's what I like. Um, you know, because like I said, like, literally, it would be like every time I'd be like, what the fuck is he talking about they would come to the course and i was like oh okay he's trying to say all right i get it uh there were one or two songs where i was like i i, I came to the what the fuck is he talking about moment and i didn't it, it never came back around <laughs> uh like stronger i was like what where is this going yeah that was one in particular that i was like like i liked the beat i i guess but there was like i <sighs> I remember last time we started our review by talking about anti-Semitic remarks. Uh-huh. And then we can went to Stronger, and he's back on his bullshit. What? Talking about, like, he's talking about Jewish yeah, privilege, like, and then he goes on to other shit, and it's like, and can we address the fact that he randomly throws out a homophobic slur in one song, and I can't tell if it's a, supposed to be a character or not. All my brothers, I would love to paint him Jewish, re-infiltrate the movement, and assassinate the music... The difference between, like, a Jewish person and a black person, yeah, we're both persecuted, but at the end of the day, a Jewish person can pretend to be the qualification of white if they wanted to. Right, You yeah. know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? So, like, maybe there is that bit of, like, you know, a Jewish person can code switch and be like, deny their Jewish heritage and be like, nah, I'm just white, let me get a piece of this pie. And with black people, there's never gonna be that sort of, like, you know, uh, oh, just throw away what your heritage is and you can just be a part of the quote-unquote normal mm. and be able to... Maybe there's that, but um, what I don't like is the way he tried to explain himself. Like, because it's like, I get it. He was like, oh, man, you know, I've gone to Rosh, uh, Rosh Hashanah with so many Jews and da-da-da. And it's like, that sounds like the I have a, a lot of black friends thing, and I know he probably doesn't mean it that oh. way, but it's like, that's how that's going to come across no matter what. Now... Uh, the line that people were angry about was the, he said like, artists getting robbed of their publishing by dirty Jewish execs who thinks it's, who think it's alms from the covenant. Now, 
somebody said like the fact that he said the alms from the covenant is actually alluding to the idea that he does know about Jewish culture and is actually trying to say that like these are people who are not really following the Jewish faith and they're just ripping off people and if they would follow the Jewish faith they would not be ripping off artists like this can you not act like it's not a thing that people hate Jewish people? Like, can, can you at least, like, be like, hey, I see how you guys could get it construed. This is what I mean. Because it's like, if you replace, like, dirty black people who keep stealing my money, like, okay, if a white person says dirty black people always doing this, is like, you're going to be like, um, why did you specifically say black? Like, that's the thing I hate. Like, stop acting like there is not actual hatred towards Jewish people in the real world. Can you please clarify that so you can be like, no, 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 I don't actually hate Jewish people. What I'm trying to say is these specific people in, in general. And it, his attitude towards it just comes off like that. I'm famous and I don't really want to have to think about what you guys are saying. So I'm just going to excuse it as you guys just trying to come up with controversy to to mess with me and fuck with my career. You know what I mean? It's just like, not everyone's out to get you, like, you know? And, and, if we could just bring it around to the homophobia later, I feel like, I don't think it's in this song. I feel like that's also a topic that kind of gets glossed over. I remember one time he did something that was kind like, it did make my eyebrows raise, but then I was like, oh wait, there's a narrative purpose for why he's... See that's the thing. Yeah, it it seemed like he was doing it in in like a character, Mm -hmm. but I wasn't sure because honestly, I don't care if you're in a character or not. When you say a homophobic slur, you're still saying that slur. So to me, I don't care if you're being in character or not. You're still saying it. I feel you. And you don't have to. Eminem had enough sense to edit it on his album, but Lupe didn't. But either way, like he could have just. Not, th- but anyway. <laughs> yeah, you didn't uh, have to say that shit. Uh, uh, what, what was the lyric where he says, uh, there's a lyric on Stronger where he goes like, the cleaning lady's crazy. She says she got a demon in the safe, but it's eaten through the back and soon it'll be leaving through the gates. The hollerer shouts, who's bright enough to pay a toddler to watch a ghoulish Oxycontin gobbler on Hanukkah? Yeah, what? that's what I was like. What the fuck is that? <laughs> what, what the fuck are you talking about, Lupe? <laughs> like... I don't know who is bright enough to pay a toddler to watch a ghoulish Oxycontin gobbler on the Hanukkah. I, I, I don't know what that means. There's other songs like uh, XO. That was one where I, the lyrics were really cryptic. I was like, what the fuck is he talking about? But then when you paid attention to the chorus and the fact that it's about um, when you figured out, oh, it's about a girl who's doing ecstasy. And the lyrics are describing that. And I was like, oh. And it's like once that made sense it unlocked the lyricism and was like oh now i can enjoy it because this is fucking incredible and i can hear what he's doing and where he's going with the story you know what i'm trying to say these song titles sun god sam and the california drug deals and you know how some people have song titles that you're like all right that probably has nothing to do with the actual song like like brock hampton no no he says it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, yeah, like every every song title, you're just like, what the fuck does that mean? It's like, no, nah, he puts it in context in the actual song. You're like, all right. <laughs> um, but when he starts off, he's saying, compose yourself like a self-aware opera conjurer in the zone like Sonic. The produce made me a sign of the times in time to make profit off the t-shirts. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> he says, come here like Pol Pot. You love it over here like a gold watch. And I was like, wait. Pol Pot? What the fuck? And then, of course, I clicked the fucking link, and they're like, so, 
Khmer, K-H-M-E-R, is Pol Pot's nickname. But Khmer like Pol... Oh, God damn it! <laughs> but, but, but the line I'm talking about, and where... I'll read this whole thing, and it'll make it kind of be like, whatever, because I oh, can't this tell is if a he's weird trying to verse. do a character. Yeah. Yeah, uh... Uh... Pull Wait, out games strong like the yeah, Waco. Yeah, yeah. Uh, pull out games strong like the Waco kid, but also like a lifeguard. Now that don't even make no sense. But since if the swimmers ain't got no rings on, don't be an f word. Let me stab that you who with my ding dong fruits of interracials. <laughs> my banana's bigger than King Kong. <laughs> and then he goes on to be like, <laughs> uh, what the fuck was this? Both ways seem Both wrong. ways seem wrong. Like, nobody in China is good at ping pong. Seems wrong, that's evidence, but they shouldn't be passing their jeans on. That's racist, but I'm a run with it. What the Like, fuck? what is this song? <laughs> the like, hell is this? Like, I, is he being a fit? I don't And, again, you know, the chorus doesn't help. Like, when the chorus gives you an idea of what's going on, that's when the songs are really strong. But when it's just like... What the hell was that? <laughs> like, when the chorus is the beauty... And then he changes it, too, because he goes, Beauty is the largest obstacle to obsess diaspora in sonnets. That's still supposed to mean bloods. I'm like, I don't think bloods mm. would agree with this, uh, you know, acronym, bro. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, what is this trying to say? And then, like you said, yeah, where it does the... What? Let me stab that yoo-hoo with my ding-dong. Uh, what's happening? Why? Hey, what's happening? <laughs> it's a it's a lot of like, did you have tos? It's just like it feels like he's trying to say. Okay, so he starts off saying, "Pull out game strong like the Waco kid, but also like a lifeguard." And the thing is, he says that don't okay. make no sense, but it actually does to me because he's talking about like pulling out your gun like the Waco kid, you know, like quick on the draw. Yeah. But also pulling people out of the water like a lifeguard, like that actually does make sense. Mm. But then he goes like. But since if the swingers ain't got no rings on, don't be them. Let me stab that yoo-hoo with my ding-dong. Fruits of iterations, my banana's bigger than... Like, whoa, where are you go? What's happening? Like, and then, yeah, why... Uh, nobody... It's... Both ways seem wrong. Like, no one in China's good at ping-pong? What? Like, was he doing, like, a Wong thing? Like, like that's a name in, in China, I guess? Or did... Or is it, wait, is it wrong? Is he being racist? With it? What the fuck are you trying to say with this verse, bro? <laughs> Kingdom. Bro, you can't front on that one. That song is fucking perfect. I did like that one. Uh, yeah. Especially, I love that lyric, every man has a crown. Because, you know, literally in anatomy, we all have, like, crowns. Oh. So like, you know. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Clever. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, so that means every man is a king. I was like, oh, shit. Um, and then... Oh, shit, I forgot about at the very beginning where he, so he does like an accents thing, right? The first song he's rapping in Spanish and then the next song he he's doing like a Jamaican accent and then at the end he switches it into English to sort of like let you know that like, okay, now I'm not that character. Now I'm telling you the story of the ships crashing and things like that. I, I like narrative choices that he makes throughout this album that makes it just a very high-minded just project uh, like i said going back to kingdom i love how it's like you know it's like all these all these slums and all this shit these are kingdoms it's just like not every kingdom needs a crown oh he says hold the sword like a hand should write your passions into manhood heighten malice in the land look like the lights of havoc do no damn good half sleep from being over preached the other half sleep because the zan good 
I love a line like that where he's saying like like uh, when he's talking about over preached like everyone is talking down to kids all the fucking time and not really talking to them you know and so it's like there is that sort of like they're tired of your shit and they're not really listening to you you know I, I like that. I like how he has moments of really being human. And I, I feel like there are... I feel like he does not preach on this album. It's more about him creating a story. And if you catch it, then you're having fun with it. But it's not about... You know, there's no bitch bads on here. I, I love Stack That Cheese. You know, it's not one of my favorite songs on here. I, I love no. what he's doing with it, though. Cause mm, it, I, I didn't care for that one, really. It's, like a, it's a part two to Hip Hop Save My Life. And it's like, this is the song that he made. You know how in that song he's saying like, oh, Stack That Cheese got 700 plays. It's like, this song is called Stack That Cheese. And it's him. Yeah, I was like, oh, shit. And then I thought the chorus was really sweet. Where he's like, hip hop, won't you save me? Rescue all your babies. It's like, oh, you know, it's like this sort of like (laughs) this culture is here for and, and how it's like changed so many people's lives. Like, yeah, you know, like I can attest, like if it were not hip hop for hip hop, like, I don't know what the fuck I'd be doing right now. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like Mm. being involved in that culture in some capacity that allows me to have, you know, be able to have success in this world, you know, because of this culture, you know, because of this art form, you know, that sort of like hit me really hard. Imagine, imagine. Okay. So on that one, yeah, yeah, where he's like, if I could take it all back, nah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't take it back, man, bro. I would do that shit. I'll say in the last verse, he was like, Wait, you, you really wouldn't change anything? <laughs> it's like, ah, oh, well, on second thought, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I love how he uh, talks on here with like, yeah, I had a fucked up deal, but I signed it. And he gives, uh, like, at least what it, I think is kind of his explanation. He says, so Atlantic Ocean motion might make you sell funny, but you didn't know the advance went straight to bail money. That's right, mm. to free Chili Chill. And to do it all again, I would sign another deal. And it's like, I, I don't know... Like, I assume that means, like, you know, yeah, this is fucked up, but I wanted the money because I wanted to help my friend. And it's like, whoa, that's a really, you know, I don't know. It feels like a bit of a sweet moment of, like, I know I'm probably going to get fucked in this, but I'm doing this because there's someone I care about, you know? It's a lot of what we've been saying on the show recently of, like, man, it's really easy for us to fucking act like we know everything about what is going on yeah. in these musicians' lives. And, man, uh, we don't know shit. Right? <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, I didn't know that. That's why he kept bringing them up on the albums. Oh. You know, like, it reveals everything. Fuck, man. Listen to this goddamn album. I, look, look. I Do know have that to? there were issues with you. Five. Sorry. okay <laughs> fucking, oh wow i fucking loved this fucking album man i thought it was incredible i thought i thought the good moments were so fucking intense and just ah that they overshadowed the uh the not as good moments near the not end but like later right mm. before the the penultimate songs before the end of the album i myself would give it a four but i wouldn't be revisiting it okay like I no love, I acknowledge it and I appreciate it, but it's just not for me. It's just not my shit. I think he might just be cramming too much in, and it's like if you're just trying to get this notion across, it's kind of going over your head sometimes because of all the shit you're throwing in there. Yeah, like he, like I said, he has a lot of high-minded ideas, and like on the cool, which another album that I still like, it's like, but you also recognize like. 
what is Go Baby doing on this album? You know, mm. like, what, what, what is this? And like, no doubt, this is a classic album. I fucking love it. But why is Go Baby at the end? What is this? <laughs> you know, like... I think we just have different tastes, honestly. Like, mm. I'm not trying to let my taste get in the way of, the, of what I think. Like, I think the album was quality, no mm. doubt. But it's just not something I would go back and listen to myself. You, oh, now I remember what I was gonna say. Do you think? Do you think of it in the terms of um, polymer? Yeah, he's fucking rapidly rapping. But at the same time, it's like it's not that it's not fucking incredible and breathtaking. But it's right, like, it's a bit much. <laughs> it is a bit much. Yeah, it's uh, especially for the casual listen. Yeah. Oh no! Yeah, this is definitely not a. <laughs> you you got to take a night out. <laughs> You know, I'd be like, all right, I got no plans tonight. I'm just going to absorb this piece of uh, this piece of art. <laughs> well, that about wraps it up for this week's episode of the Going Off Podcast. Big thanks out to Natalie, left at London once again, joining us on the show for another album review. Hope to have her on the show again. As mentioned earlier, she has an EP available on her Bandcamp, and you can see her uh, videos posted every so often on the Super Deluxe Instagram page. Uh, if you have an album that you would like to request us to talk about that's a bit older, maybe not a new release, but a personal favorite of yours, you can check out either of our Patreons. That's patreon.com slash rapcritic or patreon.com slash muse. Uh, follow us on Twitter. Subscribe to us on YouTube. If this is your first time listening to us, all of our old episodes are on iTunes and SoundCloud. Just search Go In Off Podcast. That's G-O-I-N apostrophe off podcast. And until next week, I'm Muse. And I'm Rap Critic. Make it rain for the chicks. Dumb it down. Post champagne on a bitch. Dumb it down. What the fuck is wrong with you? Dumb it down. How, how, how can I get on a song with you? <laughs>